Welcome everybody to uh, Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. I'm Dylan, recording live from, well, it's pretty grey, uh, Galway, uh, Galway, <laughs> Ireland, and on the West Coast. And uh, with me always is my co-host, John Gillen. John, how are you today on this fine Saturday afternoon? It, it, is, it is actually, it's not, it's not afternoon here yet. I'm in Colorado in the mountains, nestled right up next to the foothills. But yeah, it's a... Uh, it's it's lovely sunny great there'll be rugby later today it'll be fun but that's not why we're here is it so it's a little bit it's a little bit of a somber day i think for still still morning um as as all of you know eddie van halen passed this week and eddie was a huge influence on me just starting to pick up the guitar in the first place so um yeah that's that's why we're here today. Yeah, I think like Eddie as a musician was one of the, I suppose, in, in a weird way, he is one of the reasons why we started this podcast because you grew up with that sort of 70s, 80s, you know, shred influence. And I, I'm, I'm really interested in it in terms of like a, a style, you know, I'm not, I don't have the chops to really play much of it, but just in terms of like the technique. And I remember when we, you and I started our masters, uh, I was always picking your brain on, that style of music and you were always talking about you know what you really liked about van halen and players like that and we were like oh we should record these conversations and there you have it um yeah so cool so we're going to um devote a lot of this episode to playing some clips from eddie van halen you know from his from his back catalog uh, what we like why we picked them and yeah just kind of talk about what an innovator he was in in the guitar world but first it is my turn for for lick of the week and um, yes so i you know because we've i've picked some um i'm just going to say eddie because eddie van halen is, is is a bit of a mouthful a bit of a dutch tinged mouthful so uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna say eddie uh, so before we get to our eddie clips um yeah i think something a bit different i uh, everything is pretty much closed again in ireland well like stuff is you know pubs are open that. you can oh get takeaway pints yeah what? um takeaway pints yeah. how does that work um apparently well i don't know apparently you you get a pint and then you get in your car and you put it between your legs and then you make sure nobody sees you and then you drive home and you enjoy the comfort of your you know of your living room which is at many of the garda stops that they have opened oh my gosh yes um wow our government, ladies and gentlemen but anyway uh bringing it back to the point that gyms are still open and i've been going to the gym because you know i can't go to a cafe anymore so i'll just go on a cross trainer for 20 minutes and i've gotten back into you know heavier music this week because it's good gym music so girl. this is the influence you're you're good james headfield you're yeah. there uh, so, <laughs> uh, we, we love you james not so much kirk um so uh, this is this has influenced my choice for lick of the week so john whenever you're ready have a have a listen with your old ears Um, it sounds like Zach De La Roca <laughs> as the vocalist there. Yes. Um, that kind of and, and, and it, yeah, it really does. Um, and there's of course the, the octave pedal in there as well. It sounds to me like Tom Murillo, 
and presumably something from Rage Against the Machine. So I'm, I'm not sure I actually know the song, but what is it? Yes, so this is Testify. Ever. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs by them. I think it's just really like nice kind of three minute uh, energetic rock song that really gets you going when you're, you know, on the on the treadmill. Uh, <laughs> doing a very doing, doing an uphill walk, um. So yeah, it's it's. I, I don't know. I, I I really like Rage Against the Machine. I was they, they were like my when I was twelve. It was like they were the band, and the reason I discovered Drop D as a as a you know, as a way of playing guitar, and yeah, it's weird. I I really like Testify is great. Um, I have a, a particular kinship with it because when I went to see them live back in, I think it was twenty eleven on the the reunion tour the not in it for the money at all reunion tour um they uh, opened with the song and just as like it's it builds and builds and builds for about 20 30 seconds and then that riff comes in and just as that riff was starting uh i slipped on a plastic bottle and went flying backwards and was caught by a bunch of moshers who just like pushed me up and yeah it was a, it was a beautiful terrifying moment nice. of uh, live music for me um yeah but it's weird it's like i really i think tom morello as a, as a member of rage against the machine is just an incredible innovative uh, you know player in terms of his use of of gear and you know his his mimicry of like you know the turntables and you know that's you know inspired a lot of people to pick up the guitar after that I'm kind of torn because I am very 50-50 on Audio Slave. Um, I thought it was it had all the makings of something special and then it just never really got to where I wanted it to go. Coaches is great. It's a few really, really good songs. And mm-hmm. then Tom Morello kind of went solo. He he brought out an album, I think it was last year, which was, it was just noise. It was just bad, really phoned in riffs and like there was like it was like dubstep for a lot of it and it was just like oh no why yeah i heard and that what was it called it was called the atlas underground and it features the ridiculous album artwork of a a hippo with wings you know coming out of the the ether and so yeah it's it's kind of ridiculous you've got marcus mumford on one song you've got steve aoki on another you've got the jizza you've got like it's it's very much like a, a hodgepodge of why but you know he's kind of become a brand with his his you know his approach to the instrument and we'll talk a little bit about that a bit more when it comes to eddie because it's it's very much he was able to recognize who he was in the world of guitar and did very much cash in on it you know and who among us would not do it but mm-hmm. yeah so yeah uh tom morello uh i've really <laughs> uh he does one thing and he does it really well and yeah. he tries to strengthen that it doesn't it doesn't really go but yeah i i, I love rage big 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 uh cornerstone band for me but anyway moving on to our, our main topic of the day so yeah eddie uh, van halen passed away this week age 65 um a real innovator in the world of electric guitar. Uh, everybody, it, it's mental to see how many tributes are pouring. It just, you know, every com- people are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> you see album tweet. sales for Van Halen have risen 7,600%. Wow. Yeah. People are buying albums. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right. That's my initial response. Yeah, it's it's very much like it is kind of really been the talking point this week uh, for like a lot of musicians online. The best tweet I saw was I bet David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar are arguing about who misses him more. <laughs> um, 
you know, it's, 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 it's all a bit of fun there. And of course you'll get the inevitable, oh, there's, be- there's going to be some amazing jamming tonight in heaven. And I'm like, oh God. Oh, <laughs> like, have you so seen that one? Stuff. The, like the terrible artwork of like, it's the worst Photoshop of Hendrix, Eddie and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And it's just like, oh, it's just cringeworthy. Yes, it really, really yeah. is. Yeah. There's, uh. there's a mural there's a mural in Galway uh, on the on the side of the one metal bar in town, which I think it's I think was painted in maybe the late nineties and it's still there. And it's got like a bar and then it's got heaven and it's got like, you know, but half the musicians in the bar are now dead. So you've got like David Bowie and Prince just like there and they're all like having a drink and then it's like Freddie Mercury in heaven. And then at the very top it's like Elvis. Oh touching my God. God's finger, like it's very cringe now. Oof. But uh, you know, when I moved to Galway in 2008, it was cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, side, little sidebar there. So yeah, um, so John, I suppose when you think of Eddie Van Halen, I mean, uh, from, from a personal, from, from, from like a personal approach, I mean, he was very influential on your musical upbringing. Would I be wrong saying that? No, no, no. I, um, I remember going to and i think i've even said this on the show i i remember going over to a friend's house and his older brother had live without a net now live without a net was the first tour that they did with sammy hagar after the release of 5150 and so this was 1986 when when i saw it it was not 1986 it was like 98 or 99 or something like that but um, I remember going over to a friend's house and his brother had that VHS and they were, he, his brother came in and was like, guys, you got to watch this. This is amazing. And so we sat down, we watched the whole concert and that became a thing that we would do on a regular basis is we would go over and we would just watch concerts and several of those like the right here, right now, uh, which was from the foreign lawful carnal knowledge tour. But I remember watching live without a net and eddie comes out there and does his solo and starts with kind of the cathedral thing if i remember it correctly where he does his little volume knob swell stuff okay super cool and then he does uh, which is that that one's kind of funny he came to that just because it was he had a stuck volume knob and he was trying really hard to like get the dust out of the pot and then was like, oh, that makes a cool sound. Let's see what I can do with that. Um, and then, you know, launches into the whole eruption thing and does the tapping stuff. And I, it, I was totally blown away. I think earlier that year, I'd gotten an acoustic guitar and I just said, I have got to learn how to play guitar like that. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I also need a pair of orange parachute pants but i never got those so yeah man. yeah the style <laughs> so yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a second so we've both we've prepared some clips that we've um borrowed from youtube and uh yeah just from like you know videos and from stuff like that but i mean the comment sections and the style and they're like oh man used to smoke a big jade of this back in the 80s you know it's it's <laughs> it's a bit of a trip um cool so we might have a have a listen to so your first clip is uh would you want to introduce it yeah so this one is the dream is over it's from the foreign lawful carnal knowledge album 
which for me was a hugely influential album. This was one of the ones that really got me into Van Halen and uh, just kind of opened my eyes to his playing. I've done the Right Now solo, I think, for one of the Lick of the Weeks. And I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that solo. I've got a student who's working on it right now. Um, it's a fun one to play and just some cool little things in there. It's very, that solo is actually very bluesy. There's a lot of like Chuck Berry style licks in there. They're just played at a million miles an hour, uh, you know, <laughs> which is kind of funny. A lot of people think of Eddie as this like kind of out there metally shred guy. He really cut his teeth on stuff from the fifties and sixties, as far as blues go. And we'll yeah. talk a little bit about the tapping technique at some point, but we have to. We got yeah. It. I mean, you, uh, you, you can't talk about Eddie Van Halen and not talk about it, but uh, this is the dream is over. And I love this because it's the verse riff is actually super cool. And this is the solo for it. And it's kind of classic Eddie Van Halen. One of the things when you think about eruption, right? One of the things that, just blew everybody away. And I remember several months Rick Beato talked about it too and said, like, when this came out, we had no idea what was going on. And his whole intention <laughs> with that, and, and Rick said, like, I could tell it was an arpeggio, but I could not figure out how he was playing it. And with, with that, he, uh, he just kind of blew everybody away. And this to me, it's, um, on this, this one right here, he kind of comes out and he's like, I still got it. And I'm just going to blow everyone <laughs> away just so we're clear on this. And then launches into this cool little tapping thing, but it's not sort of the eruption thing. It's kind of more accents, which I think is a, a fantastic way to use that, you know? So anyway, let's check it out. Right. And lots it's of weird. lots like, of whammy bar work on that one too. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like you know, the we've talked about the whammy bar before and how it can be kind of overused. But he was he's kind of like Jeff Beck in that it's always used in a way that it really accents what he's playing. Mm -hmm. I I think yeah, it's, it's it's he's got such a he's got such a trademark technique when it comes to doing stuff like that. It's just it's it it never fails to kind of blow my mind. And yeah, I I. I that that's class. I really, really like that. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. Like throughout his career, do you think that his style like evolved over? Because you know he was changing his gear all the time and stuff. Do you think yeah. that as a, as a player, his style evolved? Because this is kind of later. This is like it is. David it is. Evolved. I think um, I think this album definitely marks a a different direction. I mean, there was OU812 before this, which is kind of to me like this weird middle ground album where he's kind of finding this new direction um but this was such a well put together album and and really marked kind of a different a slightly different approach which i've got some older older tracks in here too that are really important for kind of how the the sound of the 80s and i think it was a ben eller 
video where he talks about this, where a lot of those guys chugging that open string in between the chords. I mean, that's an Eddie Van Halen thing. That's something Eddie did very early on in the eighties. A lot of other people like Paul Gilbert and for racer X and that sort of thing. Um, it became something that was pretty popular after that, but Eddie kind of made it popular. So that's uh, I, I would say I, Again, to answer your question, yeah, I think it definitely did. But by the time you get to here, he's not chugging that open string quite as much. So it's not the same as like a, a riff from Unchained or something like that. Mm. So, um, so well, I've kind of gone in the opposite direction. I kind of wanted to pick a solo that very much has some, it was like, you know, he's got every bag of tricks in there. And oh, so man. I... I yeah, so this is this is I'm the one off uh, Van Halen one, which I I'd say is the album I've listened to the most. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's it, it's probably the one you know. Just looking at how many albums they have here as a band, it's like wow, they really did put out a lot of music. Um, <laughs> we'll get to Van Halen three, the 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 train record. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah we'll sweet. So um, yeah, sweet. So this is this is I'm the one. If you want to have a listen, yeah, love this one. Oh my gosh, I love that riff. That so good. Yeah, it's weird because I went back through a few. So the solo, we'll just get the so- talk about the solo first. So, I mean, it's just this real, like, you've got the tremolo picking, you've got the crazy bends, the really, like, it's, you know, I think that Alex Van Halen is actually a really underrated drummer. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, he is very. So he's just, he's just, he's a powerhouse, like really is, especially with the double kick and, you know, just the, the up-tempo stuff, like he really holds his own. And, but it's, it's, it's just Eddie keeping up with that. He's very much playing for the song. It's like this, it's all about energy and he's just really kind of feeding off that. And yeah, I just, I think it's, it's, it's such a great little solo because there's, there's another one later in the song, but this one is just really like, okay let's just kind of show him what i can do which is just i suppose a lot of a lot of what he does Uh, but yeah then it goes into this really cool kind of bluesy riff which is kind of like it's like jimmy page on steroids yeah it's it's, got that the whole song has that cool swing vibe to it which and it's yeah yeah which they they did a lot during the roth era you know like (laughs) there's when you when you yeah you think of this one you think of like sinner's swing obviously um dirty movies has that vibe to it too like there's off of uh, both of those off of fair warning you know there's there's a lot of that in this early stuff like ice cream man kind of has that vibe to it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 crazy like but that's i think that's very much what's going to set them apart from like their contemporaries was that uh, ability to swing it's like the the rhythm of it all which maybe mm-hmm. comes from you know he started as a drummer and then him and alex swapped instruments and I mean, like, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it really is kind of down to that blues influence as well. Um, yeah. Sweet. So for your, your second selection, what would you, what would you like to? Okay. So anything? this one, um, I wanted to go. So speaking of dirty movies and fair warning, this one, I, I really like, I wanted to pick something off of this album because this is my favorite Roth era album. Um, but something that kind of showcases a little bit more of his sense of rhythm and just kind of the, the groove. And that wasn't unchained. 
So, <laughs> which I do think Unchained is an absolutely fantastic example of this, but this is a good one just for getting a vibe on really one of the things that he's kind of underrated for primarily, we all talk about his solos, but it's his rhythm playing is so on point. It's ridiculous. And this, I think, showcases a little bit of that. The intro here also kind of showcases his just creativity with the instrument. I didn't put the whole intro in because it's almost like a minute and a half long, but definitely go check it out. It's just, it's kind of him playing around on the guitar and seeing what crazy sounds he can get out of it. And while this is a little more experimental, as he progresses in, in some of the later albums, he's doing this stuff regularly in the solos. Like he's found a way to kind of work some of these things where he's like taking the, the whammy bar and bouncing it off the strings and getting these weird slide sounds out of it and pick scrapes and all that stuff that he incorporates later sort of starts like the experimentation. There's a lot more of it right here and you could hear it on this, this record. But the main thing here is the groove, the vibe, because um, it's, it's fantastic. So let's check it out. that is that's that's class i mean just in terms of the uh just uh, you've got so down the middle you've got like you know the rhythm guitar on the right and it's kind of doing these big open chords and then you've got he's just like squealing away on the the lead track and then it comes back for this really big bombastic um riff which is great i mean he's just playing with the 16 notes on the he's basically you, you've got alex playing the 16 notes on the on the hi-hats and he's just really kind of like getting that groove going mm -hmm. like syncopated thing it's it's that that's great and like and, you said i mean the other thing that's great about this is just how they how well they work together yeah it's a massive part and it's weird like going back through all these slips i mean just as a band there's such i don't know just in terms of like even michael anthony is like he's his backing vocals are just they they, oh they work so well like it's it's crazy how <laughs> it's just as a four piece it just works like everybody's really really shining he could um, he could sweet. really sing too so that's something so. yeah uh so uh, so my next i mean like i had to pick this I, this was uh i remember hearing this this was part of a like an ult i took this ultimate no total guitar magazine i remember getting when i was younger mm -hmm. and it was like a lesson on this uh, yes. song and i remember just the first thing i heard was like oh my god these drums are like this is i've never heard drumming like this before and then this riff comes in and this, this is the hot for teacher riff which is the most like ridiculous over the top music video it's it's pure 80s like you know um you can you can basically see the like the cocaine on the film but um, <laughs> sweet so so yeah, this is the the hot for teacher intro riff, which I have like sat down and tried to learn, but I just can't get that three seven stretch. It is I need a I need a thinner neck, I think, to actually get it down. But it is a what I love about apparently. yeah. But what the thing about this is that my favorite part of it this isn't the riff that isn't the main riff, which is like 
great, but it's the little riff that he plays. It's the little kind of fill in between when all the band drops out and between the, the main riff. So um, it's a little lick in between. I think oh, it's, it's I stuff like that that really make about. him shine. Yeah. yeah. gets me every time honestly just that little i think it's like one bar i think it is but it's just oh, it's, it's just incredible i mean that uh it's just i just it just screams guitar hero and yeah. um, so yeah. maybe, maybe this is be a good time to talk about the tapping because we really do have to talk about the tapping so yeah set the record set the record straight and say that eddie van halen did not invent tapping <laughs> it was it was no people believe that but it's he he was very, it was very much a massive part of his his, his style yeah and like you talked about you talked about eruption earlier i mean that uh is it's basically like a tapped arpeggio towards the end is just it's i don't know it's it's kind of it's kind of very so defining of it's it's such a highlight of his playing but john you tell us about the the, the tapping yeah so <sighs> Obviously, like like I said before, um, it uh, it wasn't. It, it just no one no one really knew what was going on with it, right? So when it came out, it was not something too many people were familiar with, and so this was something that just blew everybody's mind and became so influential. I mean, you had people like Stanley Jordan in the jazz world who really picked up on it. Um, the two-handed, the, the multi-finger technique at this point, which is massive in the whole math rock scene. We've interviewed yes. it at Young several times. Like, this is such a staple of her playing. Um, it just kind of goes, it, it, it has gone so much further, but only, only because Eddie made it popular. Like, that's the thing. You had people, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, um, those guys who came immediately after Eddie, who kind of started taking it to that next level. And it's just, it's in another world, but you, you look at what some of the Polyphia guys are doing at this point and uh, realize that it's something a whole lot different. But um, it really wasn't something that was well, like I said, it wasn't something that was well known before Eddie, but you can find instances of it in classical guitar stuff, particularly early 20th century stuff. Um, you had, there were, there was a, there was a book that was written on this particular technique in the 1950s. Um, and you also had guys like Barney Kessel, um, and then the guy who, Emmett Chapman, who invented the Chapman stick. I mean, this was, the Chapman stick started being kind of uh, put out there in the 70s, uh, early 70s. So it, around, I think, 69 or something like that, Chapman had started developing this. So there weren't very many people who were using it at the time. However, one thing to keep in mind was the guy who wrote the book um, was a jazz guitarist in Los Angeles. And then, okay. of course, you had Barney Kessel as well, who had used it occasionally in the 50s and 60s. And the thing is, is what that means is 
Eddie's dad was also a jazz musician. He played clarinet. He was a well-known studio musician. And whether or not Eddie actually is conscious of it or was conscious of it, it seems to be, that, and most people seem to think, that he was in the environment where people were testing out this technique. And somewhere along the line, whether he noticed it or not, probably just picked it up or saw like, hey, that's cool. I wonder what I can do with it. And so not to minimize what he did by any means, because he's the guy that made it popular. But the fact of the matter is like he just he kind of took what other people had done and then took it to that next level and just made it popular and made it a fantastic showpiece. And then after that, it just exploded and opened up for all the other people that came after him. So, yeah, but wow, that was very, um, very detailed. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just, you can't not, I mean, you put a video up on your Silversound uh, IG page about um, like tapping and the technique behind it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like even the, the beat it solo, which is widely considered to be one of the best solos in a pop song ever. I mean, there's a, just the, the tapping and that is just, it, it's 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 so fun and it's so like it, it, it's it's such an impressive piece like it just really adds a new layer and um, then just straightforward picking but um, yeah speaking of tapping let's let's um, let's talk about uh, my next piece so when we started our masters together i was like okay from like you know a non-fan to a guy who knows a little bit about van halen what would you recommend listening to and you told me about fair warning mm-hmm. and i was like mm, I'll, I'll i'll give it a, i'll give it a spin and yeah i mean this is this is how the album opens this is mean streets oh, um such a good like, one i've no like i have listened to it i was like i have no idea what he's doing here i like it was one of those things like i've you know you know, I, Van Halen's been a long. I'll, I've been here a long time, and I, I still, upon listening to, it, I was like, I just can't. I can't. I don't even know where to start. And he was really secretive about his techniques as well, like in the studio and his, his, you know, the whole how he got his sound. Like he was very much. Uh, he was always giving like mixed, uh, kind of sending people down rabbit holes in the wrong direction in interviews because he just didn't want to. He didn't want people catching up with him, um, but yeah, let's 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 have a listen to this. This is Mean Streets. Ah, love this one. And there's oh, the rhythm, man. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, the, again, just the, the groove on that is so good. Holy cow. Yeah. So, it's, so good. Yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, it's a great song. It's, it's very much like a band who know what they're doing. And it's like they don't really have anything to prove, but they go about it anyway. Uh, yeah, it's really, really cool. And since then, I have looked up loads of videos of what he's doing live. And I don't know, there's just something about watching 
you know, from like kind of any era of them, just uh, how much Eddie seems to be enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's, it's just crazy. He's always got this massive smile on his face. And it's just, it's just, he makes, I think that's one of the things that really makes him really appealing as a guitar player is just, he looks like he's having fun with it the whole time. Like it does not look challenging. He just makes it look so easy. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, yeah, I think, well and what's interesting about this is this is kind of like that next step with that tapping technique this is 1981 and uh is it 81 i think it's 81 i think so yes um and it's uh what's interesting about it is he's he's exploring with the harmonics and kind of sort of that thumping sound too which gives you that kind of really percussive sound and what happens when you mute those strings and you kind of thump that? Um, so it's it's a it's a really interesting, really interesting example of how he would continue to push himself. So, yeah, fantastic! I love that tune. That's probably, arguably, my favorite Van Halen song. So, oh, big words! Glad yeah. I picked it. Uh, yeah, so I think I think it's good. I think we got a nice uh, variety here in terms. I got of one more here. Do you? I got one more. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you do. Sorry, I completely skipped over you. Um, I just felt with the tapping, it felt like a, a good segue. So it was. John, That's you, why I let it ride. <laughs> <laughs> didn't 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 shoot me down. Didn't rain on my parade. Yeah. John, how do you how do you pronounce this next song? Um, I assume it's Belucatherium. That's how I've always pronounced it. I could be very wrong, so feel free to correct me. Um, That's. Uh, I, I shan't. Uh, so wh- why did you pick it? So this is from the album Balance. This was the last record they did with Sammy Hagar, or at least the last one before, I don't know, they, they did a couple extra songs on Greatest Hits and stuff like that. But um, yeah. And the Twister soundtrack, let's not forget that. You know what? I liked Humans Being, and I actually thought about throwing that on here, because the solo <laughs> on that's pretty incredible. Um, and this one right here... Though this is an instrumental, uh, and so I've only got the first first little bit here of it. But I think what this really showcases is Eddie's ability to to really build solid phrases and kind of work around those. And even though early on what he was kind of known for and what really transforms the way people played guitar, it wasn't just the tapping, but it was the idea of his solos. So his solos, what he would do is he would go into the studio and this was somewhat unique in the late seventies in the early seventies. And I was talking to a student about this the other day, go back, listen to Jimmy page, listen to pink Floyd, especially when you're listening to wall era, pink Floyd, you can actually access those demos. And David Gilmore is playing the same solo on the demos, almost note for note that he plays on the final cut. It almost doesn't change. Comfortably Numb is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Boston, for example, I uh, played more than a feeling for a student. Like that solo is pretty much composed and Tom Schultz goes in and plays that solo. Yeah. And then the same, I mean, Stairway to Heaven, like it's not improvised. And there's elements that might be, but he's got a pretty good idea where he's going and what he's doing. Yeah, and so, that's, that's a big thing. 
I, I think, sorry, just to cut you off there, it's, I think that's a really important thing that people need to realize is that these are very much, a lot of your favorite solos have been labored over and constructed, you mm-hmm. know, to, to really go with the song. Angus Young says that he never improvises, ever. It's like, it's, it's you know, the, the solo is crafted to fit the song and he's going to play it the same way every time. Yeah, which is, I, I, I think from an instructional standpoint, that's a really important thing to realize. When you're learning guitar and you're first starting to learn solos, you think, wow, this guy just came up with this off the top of his head. Like, not, not entirely. Um, <laughs> and Eddie would have several ideas when he would go into the studio. It's, and this is especially the case after the first album. The first album, if you listen to it, you can pick up on a lot of those more tightly composed elements. Uh, however, afterwards, when they're in the studio and he's got these multi-tracks set up and he's able to kind of pick and choose, he'd do five or six or 10 takes, 12 takes and look at those and go, I like this part and I like that part. And then they splice them together. But what that does is he's playing something down on the fifth fret and then he splices together something happening (laughs) all the way up on the 11th fret. And then he's back down to the fifth and then the seventh and now he's up on the 14th like so he had to he would splice this stuff together because it sounded cool and so it's still composing but it's much more this kind of I mean from a classical perspective people were already doing this Frank Zappa was doing this in the studio and that's uh, obviously where Steve Vai kind of cut his teeth was transcribing Frank Zappa's tape together tape solos and uh but Eddie was kind of taking the same idea for his solos. And then he was able to relearn those solos and perform them. And that's really what transformed it because he wasn't bound by the structure of, well, I normally play this lick over here and then I go up to this lick and then this lick. And that's how I go from five to seven to 12 or 11 or whatever. Instead, he's like, I'm on this end of the neck and now I'm jumping all the way up here and I'm back and I'm up and I'm down. And you can really hear that in his playing after that first album, that the solos kind of bounce around a fair bit. And, yeah. But it changed, it opened people's ideas up, or minds up to different ideas on how we can approach the guitar, how we can jump around the fretboard and approach these solos in a totally new way and approach playing in a new way. When you had to learn a solo like that, and you had to rethink why you were playing, why you were stuck in those pentatonic boxes. And yeah, I think yeah, of course. Eddie kind of showed the way to, to breaking out of those in a lot of ways by just that recording technique. It's fascinating. So um, at any rate, the Ethereum, we still haven't got there yet. <laughs> um, that was a great intro, I have to yeah. say. Yeah. So Baluk Ethereum is, is him still saying like, hey, I've got these cool things. But just um, in terms of the techniques that he's using, there's the whammy bar, there's the tap, and then when he kind of gets into this groove, again, it's this groove, it's the use of the open string, and just kind of like, hey, here's a cool riff. So let's, let's go ahead and give that a listen. Cool.
that grooves. That is that is nice. Yeah, I like that riff there at the end of that that clip. Yeah, it's it's uh, he's really uh, I don't know he's just he's very much like if it's it's you know we 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 associate him with like this lightning fast you know these crazy runs or whatever but i mean like it's when you when you kind of slow it down he is very uh he's so expressive through like mm-hmm. the, the kind of the more the slower melodic playing um cool i mean like this is i, I really love having these chats with you because it's very much you <laughs> you you have gone through like the whole back catalog. like you've pretty much listened to, to everything and it's it's like i don't know you are the the jedi master of 80s <laughs> What I, another I thing I like it. about this one too is the uh, his his use of vibrato here is very deft, um, mm. and I think at, like you said adds a lot of that expression, and his ability to play on the offbeat like he does that a lot, and that's what helps with that groove. He's he's got that sense of rhythm and timing that's that I think really was unique, especially to a rock guitar player at the time. So who would typically yeah. play on, you know, just, you know, one and three and we're like, gah, gah. <laughs> keep it nice and power cordy. And he kind of explored some different voicings. Obviously, when you look at things like Panama and Unchained, he's playing around yes. with those sus chords a fair bit and and even major seventh chords. Like it's kind of a it's different. It's definitely different from a rock guitar perspective. So yeah it's a, it's like a guy who really knows his chords like just in terms of like the vocabulary compared to his peers i suppose it was so much more than just power chords he was more like kind of like a randy rhodes guy who had that almost classical background and was able to use it to really spice up the rhythms um, mm-hmm. but yeah we <laughs> I, I believe we've done i mean uh, we've done quite the deep dive i mean there's just there's just so much to say just in terms of them as a band of eddie as a player of that you know there's just and, and there have been people in the last week i i do recommend checking out Ben Eller's video in terms of like Eddie's contribution to the instrument but the whole the Sammy Hagar stuff the uh, Gary Sinise stuff the not Gary Sinise uh, Gary Sharon um, and yeah. so I mean there's just there's just it's it's such a colorful career and um, I, I do think there is there is good music on three so I know that <laughs> that is a controversial <laughs> thing to say um, it was it was it a great album? I think it suffered from Eddie having too much control and not having someone kind of rein him in and help piece things together. And it, okay. I, I think you hear that. It, it kind of ends up all over the place. But there's some great guitar playing. And I think at that point in time, um, when Eddie got sober, that was right as they were recording Balance or right before they recorded Balance. And uh, I think he gets some of his most creative stuff out in balance and in three, but three ends up suffering from poor production. Honestly, the, the sound on it's kind of like it, it does not have a full sound. It's really thin sounding. And, but he's got some fantastic guitar work. There's some great licks as a guitar album. There's some really good stuff. And if it was anybody but Van Halen, people would probably have loved that record. <laughs> that's the, yeah okay so they're kind of like a victim of their own reputation mm-hmm. um i i'm familiar with uh van halen 3 and like the story behind it because there's a youtuber named todd in the shadows who has yes. a series called called train records and he has a really good video on why van halen 3 just kind of bombed and yeah super super interesting story and, um, and he touches so, on that too the fact that 
essentially there was no there was no solid producer to come in and be like eddie like this is all over the place <laughs> and it really like a lot of the songs really are they're just kind of like what why is this here he brought in a friend of his who i just i i don't think had the clout with him to be able to just say like no this is bad <laughs> so stop now yeah <laughs> um sweet so that is our, our little retrospective on uh, a van halen r.i.p um a real i don't know tour the force i mean is he like if, a lot of people are calling him just one final question for you just ask is he like the natural successor to hendrix in terms of his influence on the instrument uh i think in terms of the breadth of his influence i'm not sure that you can point to anybody else in his generation that has the same breadth um he's a he's a household name like in terms of yeah because like i said i think eddie eddie probably paved the way for somebody like joe satriani to have success for the guitar hero to really step it up another notch and some of that i think is the direction van halen went in the mid 80s with sammy hagar and allowing them to kind of reach a wider audience and more people were able to pick up guitar and see what he did and change the way they played um obviously like paul gilbert an amazing player steve Vai also but in some ways less accessible than eddie yeah yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think for someone who's just getting into guitar and i i became a huge steve Vai fan but i mean i didn't get into steve Vai until later and I still have to be the like Steve Vai apostle of like, no, you need to sit down and listen to it <laughs> because yeah, it strikes you as a little bit weird, but let me talk you through like why this is super logical and it's actually not as hard to listen to as you think it is. Um, Shut up a minute. Um, <laughs> um, but so yeah, that, was, answer, that was a lot of our early conversations to be fair. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, the thing about him is, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> So, so I think in a lot of ways, yeah. And and then it's that next generation of Satriani Vi, and I think John Petrucci is probably the successor in that line of people that have a, a breadth of influence. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure there's anybody else that you could point to in his generation or even immediately following that has the same impact that he does on such a wide scope of people. Like I said, Eddie... Eddie can be the guy that would get someone who's generally aware of pop music listening to guitar music. And not many other players in that generation or anyone following were really able to do that. And I think that's, that's why his impact was so broad. Beautiful. I think that's a, that's a really nice note to end on. Um, sweet. So, I mean, like, I'll talk about what I've been what I've been working on. Oh yeah, were we going <laughs> to do that? that? I totally lot. forgot. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll 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 just basically maybe a little you know touch on that, um, or we could just leave it as a retrospective. Um, <laughs> uh, I haven't been working on a lot. I tried learning the jump solo for a dare, and it's just it's 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 messing with me, um, but it's a lot of fun just learning that. Uh, group of five tapping just run is just crazy but yeah that's what i'm working on for my next solo sunday video which will not be tomorrow it'll be eight days away because i'm gonna really really try and hunker down yeah and what i've been listening to 
Van Halen. <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about the same. I actually started at one point in time. I learned that first bit of Baluk Ethereum, but that's been I don't know, fifteen years or so or more. And at this point, so I was like, you know what? I should go back and and relearn that. I was gonna gonna see if I could put that together and do a video on that too. Um, because that's that's a good one. Plus, I I really dig that riff that comes in that that B section, and yeah. then, um, yeah, that's that's been there's that, and that's kind of been it. So recently, <laughs> now, but you've inspired that's me to go ahead and learn the Hot for Teacher solo because I don't think I ever ended up working on that, or at least the intro. So please, please learn it. Yeah, learn it for me. Let do. Let me live vicariously through you. Um, yeah. Sweet. Uh, Neely Brosh actually posted that too. She posted the hot for teacher solo and that was like, goddess. yeah, I think I need to learn that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. She's such a monster. Friend of player. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything she can't do? God. Uh, um, yeah, friends, I don't think so. We'll, <laughs> we will be back with a, a mini episode sometime soon. Uh, we're going to be talking about sweeping. John's going to be telling me how to sweep um, the guitar in the floor. And yeah, expect a lot of, uh, lot of sweep jokes there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my Saturday. And I, I suggest you do the same, listener, even if you're not listening to this on a Saturday. Um, John, anything to add before we say goodbye? Uh, just go back and listen to it on a Saturday, and then you can enjoy it. On a Saturday. Every Saturday. <laughs> Every Saturday, future. all the Saturdays for the rest of your life. On that That's note, <laughs> stay sharp, everybody. Catch for you. Stay sharp. Bye bye.